0: Good Shepherd Brentwood's Sermon Feed. Today's sermon was preached by Mother Natalie Van Kirk on the Feast of Epiphany, January 6, 2023. If you're here on, in church on a Friday night in January, I'm fairly certain that you know that it's the Feast of the Epiphany, one of the seven high holy days of the Christian year. And the day when we remember not only the arrival of the infant Jesus, but the arrival of the Magi with their gifts. It's a high holy day, so I thought we would use a little incense. I had no idea that you could actually turn the air blue in here without a thurifer and lots of incense. From, from up there, y'all are in a fog. But that's okay. It's good for all of us. The incense is our prayers taken to heaven. Now it was probably more than 12 days between Jesus' birth and the arrival of the Magi to see him. Jesus was probably closer to two years old. The exact details are not recorded in Matthew's Gospel. What we know is that they came. Now since very early in the church's history, Well, but more than 300 years before anyone started celebrating Christmas, the church has celebrated Epiphany. Yes, you heard me correctly. The church celebrated Epiphany more than 300 years before they ever started celebrating Christmas. Christmas wasn't celebrated for almost 500 years. And that's another story. The story of the kings worshiping the child and offering the gifts was for a long, long time the most important of the stories around Jesus' birth except for the incarnation and the annunciation. The stories about the shepherds and the angels were far behind those three things in importance. If you study Christian art over time, you will find that depictions of the shepherds at the nativity are almost completely absent from Christian art until St. Francis popularized the nativity tableau, live nativities in other words, 1,300 years after Christ's resurrection. That sounds kind of odd to us because we're so fixated on shepherds and sheep And if you grew up outside of the Catholic and Orthodox traditions or in a relatively low church, Episcopal church, chances are that Epiphany wasn't celebrated in your church, nor was it ever really talked about. You might have one Sunday when you sang We Three Kings, but that was the end of it. It wasn't until the 60s or the 70s that most Protestants started talking about Holy Days like Epiphany. And ever since that happened, there's been a tendency to talk about them like they're stories from old newspapers or history books that we have to prove or disprove. So over the years, I've heard, and perhaps you have too, lots of sermons about why there were or there were not three magi, whether or not they were kings, whether or not there was a star or a comet for them to follow whether Jesus was in Bethlehem or in Nazareth, when the Holy Family might have moved from Bethlehem to Nazareth, and when the Magi got there wherever there was. All sorts of stuff like that. And you know what? None of that, none of it actually matters. Like all of the feast days of the Christian calendar, the primary point of epiphany Is theological and spiritual. It does commemorate an actual event, but for the early church the whole point of Epiphany was that it told them about the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. Sometimes the way we celebrate our most important holy days now hides those facts from us. You can see it in the changes for the titles of the great feast. The original title for Christmas was the Feast of the Incarnation. It commemorated the fact that Christ became incarnate for us and for our salvation. Christmas was just an abbreviation. Easter was originally called Pascha and still is in most of the world. It's the great Passover of the Lamb. When Christ was resurrected from death to life and human beings were saved by the blood of the Lamb from the penalties of sin and death, the allusion to the Passover of Exodus and God's salvation of the people of Israel was pointed and deliberate. The transfiguration was known as the transfiguration of our Lord, God, and Savior, Jesus Christ. As the old name indicates, it is the feast of Christ's full revelation of his divinity and humanity to his followers. The epiphany was originally called the theophany. Theophany means the appearance or light of God. It is far clearer. Epiphany celebrates the appearance of God in the world. So what's its spiritual importance? Well, if you look at your bulletin and look at verses 4 and 5 of the reading from Isaiah, and they're not numbered, so you'll have to go with me here. It's, It's pretty close to the top. It says, the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawning. And in verse 6, they shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. Or if you look at the psalm in verses 10 and 11, the kings of Tarshish and the isle shall pay tribute and the kings of Arabia and Saba offer gifts. All kings shall bow down before him and nations do him service. And then there is the passage from John that we read last week. What has come into being with him was light, and the light was the life of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Epiphany means to shed light upon. And on this day, in the story of the Magi who came from the Gentile nations to the light of Christ, the light that defeats all darkness is revealed and worshipped by the entire world. In the passages I just put together for you and today's story of the Magi, early Christians found reassurance that the good news of Christ Jesus was meant for all the people of the earth, not just for Jews. And so they, like St. Paul, went to tell everyone. Everyone. Now, we should think of epiphany as a cataclysmic, shocking event. An event that creates the spiritual equivalent of that feeling that you have when you come out of a dark cave into light or when you're sound asleep in a dark room and someone suddenly flips on the light switch and, wow, you squint and you cover your eyes because the light is so bright. Epiphany is even bigger than that. Imagine you've been stumbling around in a dark room, falling over furniture, breaking things, I usually break my toes, and running into other people, pushing and getting pushed around and all because you're looking for the person that you love most dearly in the world, the person without whom it would be hard for you to keep breathing the person you miss all the time when they are not there, the person you long to see, and that person is in the room. You can occasionally hear the voice that you love or even catch the scent of that person, but you cannot see him or her, and you cannot lay hands upon your beloved. And then suddenly, the lights come on, And your beloved is right there in front of you to be hugged and kissed and adored as much as you desire. That's the spiritual meaning of epiphany. In Christ, the light of God is made manifest in the world and Christ is right there in front of you for you and all the people of all the nations to see. The Magi were searching for that sort of beloved. It wasn't the star that they sought. It was the one who was the very light of the star. The Magi were seeking God. For early Christians, it was obvious that the Magi were kings who had seen the brightness of the Lord's dawning and come, representing the peoples of the world, to acknowledge the true presence of God. Isaiah had promised it. How could it be otherwise? And what they did when they arrived is as important as any other part of the story. The translation of the scripture that we use today said that they came and paid the Christ child homage. What do you do when you pay someone homage? Do you stand before them silently and reverently? Do you make speeches? Do you cheer? What in the world does it really mean to pay homage to someone? The, the text in Matthew is actually much more explicit. It says they worshipped the Christ child. And the word that Matthew uses for worship literally means to fall down on your face in front of someone, to prostrate yourself. It means complete submission, not holding anything back. And this is the word the Bible always uses for worship. Not holding anything back. To fall on your face before the Lord. In the Bible, when people worship God, it's a whole body experience. It isn't something they do with their heads. It isn't a formality where they go through the motions. You cannot prostrate yourself in front of everyone and feel like it's a formality. It's far too vulnerable in submission, a position, a submissive a position for you to do it by rote. But for modern people, I think we tend to forget the whole body experience of worship. Even Episcopalians who are really proud of the fact that we engage in, in liturgical calisthenics can ne- neglect to make the connection. Instead, I think we modern people think about worship in three ways that don't have any bearing on the kind of worship that we see in the Bible. We tend to see it as a very verbal head game. We come, we listen to the preacher say something. We might even, maybe, repeat a prayer or a creed or sing a hymn, and then we go home and we consider whether we believe any of it if we don't just forget about it completely. The other way we might do it is we might make the right moves, but never involve our heads with our hearts. We come to church. We sit. We stand. We might even kneel or cross ourselves. But when the priest says, lift up your hearts, and we respond, we lift them up to the Lord, our hearts stay right where they are. No emotion. No joy. No love for the Lord disturbs their regular rhythm. The other way is we might go home or even switch churches. I'm just not getting anything out of going to church. Church, in that case, becomes not what we offer to God, our hearts, our worship, but what's in it for us. Now, starting tonight, on this night when we celebrate the light of God penetrating the darkness of the world in the life of the child of Bethlehem, I invite you to commit to these things. Try to let go of the habit of making worship an intellectual exercise. For this year, let your heart be part of it. Give it all, even if you're not sure you believe it. Act like you believe it, and you'll find that things change. Try this. Try feeling the love and adoration that you may have given to someone else also for your Lord try remembering that feeling. That feeling when you couldn't wait to be together. That feeling when you miss their presence. That feeling when you are so glad when you find them. And share that feeling with your Lord. Let Christ be someone that you love that much. And lastly, remember this. When you were baptized, You were baptized into the light of Christ. If you will let it, that light of Christ that shines out and through everything will shine out and through your life. Make it your prayer this year that others will see the light of Christ shining through you. It was a gift you have been given. Let us not hide it. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in hearing our sermons in real time, you can check us out at our website, www.goodshepherdbrentwood.org or attend online during our 10:15 Sunday live stream on YouTube. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Good Shepherd Brentwood. If you have any questions or comments, or maybe you'd like to meet with one of our clergy, you can email us at office at good Or, if you're interested in visiting in person, or have questions about our programs and services, you can text 615-637-3738, where you'll be contacted by our staff. We'd love to meet you.